0: Hello and good morning. Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. This is episode 20. Joining me is my co host, Michael Amano in Toronto. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jason. How are you? I'm good lots to talk about this week but uh we just uh we just came out from the all-star game how'd you enjoy that
1: i shockingly i thought it wasn't terrible uh (laughs) that's always a good sign when it's not terrible all-star games go yeah it wasn't bad i thought i thought the skills were really good um most people put in a solid effort uh notwithstanding but yeah i thought the games were actually kind of fun the goalies looked like they were trying um yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, I think all-star games are generally not the best. We know that. But I think, you know, all things considered, it was good. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd never usually watch the all-star game. I'm actually
0: more interested in the skills competition for whatever reason. Yeah. Just same. because something weird happens. But, I mean, I people like to say, hey, we should showcase hockey players' personalities more. But sometimes it works against them because I don't think there's anything more awkward than
1: watching them do a draft. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty. And you know, what was, you know, it was actually more awkward for me. I I totally forgot Cam Talbot was an All Star when he got, like. Here is a guy that's basically lost his job, played awful in the last month, and now he's in the All Star game. Let's look. Like, I, so I
0: mean, weird. we could debate so many of these like picks, but yeah, you you, you kind of have to when you want to represent every team, which I get. I think you should represent every team, but. I personally probably would have picked kopitar anyway just because he played like his a thousandth game long time captain of the kings but anyway so since we have um no games really to talk about we're actually doing a mailbag special episode so thank you all for sending in your questions uh no sleeper and keeper picks for this episode we did that last week um so go ahead and listen to that one it's at the very end of the episode as always so um but we've got some big news uh, lately. So let's start with Todd McClellan getting fired of the, uh, as the Kings head coach. Uh, we just mentioned the Kings they are really struggling right now. I thought this was kind of inevitable.
1: Yeah. It, it's another, it's kind of like um, Jay Woodcroft to me in Edmonton. It, it feels like it would have been that... hilarious if you hired him. Yeah. It feels like they, you know, something they didn't want to do, but it just got to the point where they had no choice. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, Jim Hiller takes over. I don't know a lot about the guy other than he was a former Trotz assistant. So hopefully hopefully some of those defensive systems uh rubbed off on him, maybe for Cam Talbot. If you have Cam Talbot and you're hoping for a bounce back, but well, you know what? And a new coach bump. So yeah,
0: I, I I do think that when you have a new coach, he's gonna give the incumbent like another run, right? Yeah. So rather than maybe seeing David Riddick a lot. You know, thank God we don't. <laughs> Even though he's been playing well, maybe yeah. we'll go back to Cam Talbot. But I think this is more like we need a
1: new voice in the room. Yeah, we and need think, someone who can actually get Pierre-Luc Dubois going. Yeah, that's that's a huge challenge. But yeah, it's one of those teams where you know they were too good to kind of keep going the way they were going, and they had to do something. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a big. I like, think I thought McClellan was pretty good there, and it's it's so weird because. For the first like three months of the season, they were just really, really rolling and they've just taken like such a nosedive. So it's tough.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll have to see how the new lines shake out. But generally speaking, because they're in, like promoting internally, they're not bringing in someone else from the outside yet. Uh, we'll. I don't think we'll see a huge lineup change, but we'll have to see what happens. Like even a guy like Kevin Fiala, I think has been really
1: quiet too. So yeah, there's been a few disappointments there after such a mm-hmm. good start. Mm -hmm. All right, the big blockbuster trade. Uh, Elias
0: Lindholm getting traded to the Canucks. Uh, Actually, it's Elias Lindholm. And then uh, Elias Pedersen on the same team. See, it's going to be so hard. You have two two players with the same first name, spelled the same way, but it's pronounced differently. But uh, I I thought this was a really big trade. I thought this was really actually a good trade for both Lindholm and Andre Kuzmenko, who went to the Flames
1: yep i agree i think it's it might suck on trade deadline day because i think Lindholm was like the biggest name and you know it's over a month before and he's already gone so i think i think we're going to start seeing a few more names get traded there um but yeah we'll, we'll see like i think Lindholm, it's a really good spot for him you know he's going to join a top 10 power play which helps um there's a lot of ways they could use him it sounds like he might center the top line with Pedersen on his wing and then they can keep Besser and Miller and give them kind of two pretty good scoring lines or if they load up the lotto line then you know they have a pretty good second center that with Lindholm there that that he can kind of take over that spot so I think it's really good for the Canucks really good for Lindholm um you know not maybe not so good like if you were banking on a PS Suter short-term run because he's gonna lose his power play spot now but yeah it's definitely making the canucks a little bit more scary and it sounds like they're all in here so yeah i I think you have to be when you're at the top of the standings anyway but uh elias lindholm and
0: elias patterson played together in 2019 at the world championships for team sweden so them together plus ilya mikheyev on one line i think that's going to be like sort of their matchup line because lindholm and patterson both being really good two-way players that allows you to keep Uh, Miller and Besser together and it sounds like that's what they're going to do so it gives you two scoring lines if you load up on the lotto line that means your second line is going to be Suter uh, Lindholm and Mikheyev it's not really a terrifying scoring line actually I I feel like that's more like a checking line but uh, we'll see what happens for sure I agree Suter in the interim not getting that power play one is probably going to hurt but he still retains some value on that top line with uh miller and besser so i, I still think he's worth holding on to if you're streaming him for week 17. and then alternatively i think Mikaev might have some value here playing with the two or one elias and one elias uh, but the two swedes um it's actually a great line because now you have a left hand center in Pedersen and the right hand center in lindholm If you're counting faceoffs, Elias Pedersen might get a little decrease in value because he's probably not going to take as many. I think Elias Lindholm is is the better centerman. And then on the other hand, I think Andre Kuzmenko,
1: even though he's been benched, he's probably going to play more minutes in Calgary, right? That's got to boost his fantasy value. I think so. I think everybody wins here. I I think like Kuzmenko is going to get a lot more playing time, a lot more opportunities. Um, I think the big thing is, you know, he had a no trade claws and he was kind of talking to the flames for a few days mm-hmm. before he waved it so yeah. he must be pretty encouraged about you know the way they're going to use him which is a good sign so yeah if you know i know Kuzmenko's sitting there on waivers in my league he might be an interesting option to grab just to see what he does he did have a, a really good year last year albeit on a mm-hmm. pretty big shooting percentage but mm-hmm. you know i think he's still probably like he still has probably 25 to 30 goal potential i think in this league for right? sure if, if he's sure. used in the right way and You know, I think he's, you know, he's obviously going to a less talented top six, but, you know, he's going to, he's probably going to play more like 18 minutes a night now, I would say consistently. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it took him four days. It might take me like four years if you were to convince me to move (laughs) from Vancouver to Calgary. I guess the other, the other thing we should mention here is, you know, like I was thinking a little bit about this, this could be the start of the flames, you know, really starting to get rid of some players, right? Like we know Tan yep. Tanev, maybe Hannafin. Um, at some point, I think like Markstrom's value is going to take a pretty big hit here if this keeps going this way. And I'd be a little concerned if, you know, if these guys are moved at the deadline, you know, he loses his top two defensemen, he loses Zdorov, he loses Lindholm, you know, like how much would you trust starting Markstrom in a fantasy playoff matchup at that point? Like it could be, it could be pretty tricky. I think if you have Markstrom now, you have to start looking at, you know, the potential for for other options. But we'll see how
0: it goes. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Um, the other big trade, Sean Monahan goes to the Jets. Um, what a, you know, 4D chess move by the by the <laughs> Habs too, eh? Getting a first-round pick both times they get and then trade away Monaghan. Uh, I think this is actually great for the Jets. I do think they were missing, like, a legit number two center. I don't think Cole Perfetti was experienced enough um i think he's probably better on the wing anyway nemesnikov strikes me more as a sort of like a checking line player rather than an offensive playmaker so Mon- monahan's great i think right away he's probably gonna get a look at the top six maybe some power play time so i definitely like his fantasy value uh going to the jets and he was on fire too right before the trade like really boosted his trade value for the Habs.
1: yeah i think like for him power play time will be key um i think you know almost half of his points in montreal came on the power play so as long as he gets you know utilized there i think he'll be okay um because yeah i think that top line mind you he might play with ehlers and perfetti i'm guessing maybe in the second line yeah um depending on how actually they maybe it. just perfetti because ehlers maybe might might not play <laughs> <laughs> yeah who knows they'll have to probably beat out like maybe Velardy or Ehlers for that top power play spot, like depending on Mm -hmm. how they shake it out. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, I wonder, I just wonder with Monaghan, like he's had one of those like resurgent years. And I wonder if this, this move is going to like, you know, help him or hurt him. Sometimes just like breaking up that kind of momentum. Yeah, fair enough. isn't ideal, but yeah, we'll see. Definitely good on Montreal for kind of maximizing his value. And I think Mm -hmm. it's going to really help the Jets overall, obviously, as they push for, you know, maybe a deep run. Yeah, I agree.
0: All right, let's get to the mailbags. We got plenty of questions to go through. Um, Producer Connor has decided that he wants to catch us off guard and surprise us. So he's gonna throw us a bunch of questions that we've curated. So the first question is uh, from Fantasy Hockey Fiend, in a Cats League with no um, PIMS or plus minus, are you higher on Troy
1: Terry or Gabe Villardi? Ah, that's a good one. I'm going to say Troy Terry here. He's been playing really good lately. Um, Really strong finish to the first half. Mm -hmm. Vlardy, I don't know. He's kind of hot and cold. He's had some injuries. I'm not. The Jets are starting to strike me as a team that um, they're starting to remind me of the Canes a little bit, like a really good team, but maybe not. You know, a ton of explosive players for fantasy value. They certainly have some, obviously, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I think I would take my chances on Terry, especially with the no plus minus option.
0: Uh I agree. I think I think Terry is probably the safer option, although I'm like always intrigued by Ballardi, but I agree with you with the way Terry's been playing, with how the ducks have been overlooked, with Leo Carlson um being the center. Um, I definitely like Terry slightly more than Velarde. Velarde to me, I mean, even just with the injury history, kind of scares me. And I, I don't know how effective he is as a finisher yet. I think underlying metrics are good, but
1: um, Terry to me is the safer bet. So I'd probably go with Terry too. Velarde has good shot volume, I think. If mm-hmm. if that's really valuable in your league, he can help you there. Mm-hmm. And I think he has center, center right wing, which helps. But I mm-hmm. think Terry is probably going to produce more.
0: Yeah, but Vellardi doesn't take a lot of face off, so anytime you have those center right wing, you're probably not going to play my center anyway.
1: Yeah. All right, next question. You want to take this one, Mike? All right, Uh, this one's from Darren. I am in a very deep league, 18 teams, and have Druin, Pia Suter, Leo Carlson, and David Peron as my flex players. Besides Suter, none are really lighting it up lately. Do I still keep them? This is a this
0: is a tough one because I I think you can make a case for all of them. Um, Carlson, I'm assuming Leo Carlson, right? I w- I would think so, yeah. Okay, so to me, he's the guy with the most upside, and then I would probably rank them: Perron, Suter, and Drew Drewan, I still don't trust, especially Parisi being there. Drewan is so dependent on his playing time and matchups. Uh, Peer Suter is great if he's stuck on that Miller-Besser line. Perron, to me, has always been really like consistent, no matter how old he is and no matter what team he plays on. But I like Leo Carlson.
1: I agree. I think they said today Parise is going to start with Johansson and Lekkonen, and they're not Mm going to touch that top line for now anyway. That Mm -hmm. could always change. Mm I guess my question would be, like he's saying, you know, none of these – players are really lighting it up do i keep them in an 18 league like or are sorry in an 18 team league like how I many think you should keep all of them yeah like like how many better <laughs> players are out there unless you yeah. have really small rosters or something but yeah um i find it hard to believe there's going to be a lot of better options than than these guys out there yeah like
0: in an 18 team league these are actually like decent players these are the players you would roster in like 12 to 14 team leagues
1: yeah i think in my league it's a 14-teamer, and I think everybody but uh, Suter is rostered here. So I think it's... You
0: didn't roster Suter, even though you recommended him last I, I'm thi-
1: week? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I waited. I- I'm debating. It's it's between him and Druin, actually. Um, oh, okay. Actually, sorry, Druin is also available. So I'm just debating because the Canucks and Afts play four times next week. But, yeah, it's I-, I would say in a team, you know, sorry, in a league that deep, you're probably... You know, you're probably best to keep them. I don't think there's going to be that much, much more better options out there. Yeah, agreed. All right. Next question. Uh, this is
0: from Jan Tavares. Let's play Duck Duck Gus. <laughs> rank Cam Fowler, <Baller, laughs> Olin Zellweger, Eric Gustafsson. Uh, and then rank Gibson, Dostal, Philip Gustafsson. And then rank Terry, Henrik, and Gustav Nyquist.
1: It's quite an interesting collection of players. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sensing kind of a ducks ducks theme here obviously and a, and a <laughs> theme which goes with the title. But yeah, um, I love this question. I it depends on I guess how like long term you're thinking here, right? I think Zelwiger could be really good down the line, but like right now I I think he'd maybe be third. Yeah. Um ranked out of those guys. I think I'd go Fowler, Gustafson, Zelwiger as long Agreed. as as long as Fox is healthy, I don't think Gustafson has much value, um, not more go- than Cam Fowler, anyway. No, definitely not. The goalies are interesting to me, um, because I think I want to say Philip Gustafson, but I kind of think like Lucas Dostel has sneaky value. Like he can have one of those like forty-four save performances. I think as like if you have saves as a category, he he might be like the guy to take at number one because I don't think the Wilder. That much better than the Ducks, do you at this point? Uh,
0: no. I mean, at best, I think the Wild are very mid, <laughs> right. very mild. Um, I probably rank Gustafson first, though, because I do think there's a chance Fleury gets moved. And I do mm. think, in terms of starts, uh, I think Gustafson still has a Gibson and Dostal beat. I, I feel like if Gibson's not traded, Gibson and Dostal are probably going to split. Yeah. Uh, there's some sort of split, Not maybe not 50 50, but I'd probably go Gustafson. Gibson Dostal, at this point, before any trades have happened, right? Now. I think I think I'd
1: go Gustafson, Dostal, Gibson Dostal, Gibson, Gibson. Okay. which is
0: I, pretty close. I mean, between Gibson and Dostal, I think that's a that's a coin flip. Yeah, I, I think neither are very good fantasy goalies. It's just that Dostal, I think, has more of a chance to steal games every once in a while. Uh, sometimes I feel like John Gibson's just kind of
1: given up. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I think Dostal is like the higher upside. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That last row: Terry, Henrik, Gustav Nyquist, Nyquist is kind of that. That He's, whole like slow down a little. bit. Yeah, that whole top line in Nashville's kind of come back down to earth. So, I I will say I think I would put Henrik above Terry, with the thought that he is probably going to get dealt to like a good team, Um in you know by the deadline. So I, I'd say like Henrik Terry. Nyquist for me there.
0: I think Henrik has more value if you're considering like faceoffs and position value because he's center left wing. But if you're thinking straight points, I I still might lean Terry just because I think he might get more points and more playing time. With Henrik, if he's going to another team, he's probably not gonna play a top six role.
1: Uh yeah, it depends on where he goes, right? Like I Mm -hmm. think there are a lot of teams, you know, like if I'm looking at the Leafs, I don't think he's Gonna go there. I don't know if they can afford him from a, mm-hmm. an, an asset standpoint, but I think if he went somewhere like the Leafs, he could easily end up in the top six on the wing, right? Right. Um, it, depends, it depends. on. It depends on where he's dealt though. But yeah, I can see. I can see your argument as well. I mean, if if uh, Monahan costs a first round pick,
0: Henrik's gonna cost. Yeah, a, the first round. <laughs> I,
1: I was saying. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago, like about Henrik for the Leafs, and I was saying, you know, like he might be. A good bargain guy and now i'm seeing these prices and i'm like yeah he's not going to be a bargain at all he's going to cost a lot so <laughs> agreed all right next question um, um all right this one's from st mike's 35 uh the answer almost always depends on team needs barzell would be a complimentary piece if i were to acquire him he's already surpassing his totals last year but really has only played one full season and never been over twenty-two goals. What's his trade value? I feel like his trade value has never been higher since his rookie season. Yes, I agree.
0: <laughs> He's. A- I I think he's a point per game player right now, and I think it really helps playing uh, with Bo Horvat. I think it helps that the Islanders are playing a, mi- a more of a wide open game now. Whether that's good for the Islanders or not, I think is a different story. <laughs> but fantasy wise, I I think Balzar has been. Barzell's been fantastic. I, I picked him with my last pick in this year's draft. And I got impatient and I, I dropped him. And it's it's one of my big mistakes this year.
1: Yeah, I think like Barzel's been the most one of the most frustrating fantasy players in the last few years. And I think this year he's kind of erased all that. I agree. He looks great with Horvat. Um he might get 90 points this year. Like it's not yeah, he's it, still super streaky. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, overall, I think,
0: he's worth holding through the cold streaks. Some players aren't worth holding through the cold streaks, but he definitely is.
1: Yeah, so I think, like, you know, um, the question here, they're saying, you know, if they acquire – sounds like if they acquire him, he'd be a complimentary piece to their team, which sounds like they have a really good team then. Um, so I don't know if I'd be willing to pay, like, what it would cost to get him if he's only, you know – like, I'm, I'm sure it would obviously, he'd obviously be a huge help if you're, you know, at the top of the standings, but, you know, it might end up costing you a lot to get Barzell at this point, because I agree, his value has never been higher. I, I
0: was going to say, I feel like Barzell could be a centerpiece of a trade. That's how good yeah. he's been this year not even yeah. a complimentary piece, but if you can get him, I think that's great. The only thing is he's a bit of a
1: specialist and that he doesn't really fill the other categories. Yeah. Like, you know, they're saying he hasn't scored over 20, 22 goals. Like, I don't think that's his thing, right? Like, I think he's just mm-hmm. more of a, a point player. Yeah. He's not a huge peripheral stack guy either. Mm-hmm. So he's more of a points league player. Yeah.
0: Agreed. All right. Next question. Uh, this is from Juan Tavares again. Uh, thank you. Uh, if you had to do a fantasy draft right now for the 2029-2030 season, who would your top 10 be? This was really hard because it's it's hard to project uh, six years into the future. So um, Mike and I put together a list of 10 players in no particular order. I'm sure there's a bit of an
1: overlap, but um, why don't you go first, Mike? Yeah, I put some research into this. And by research, I mean I spent 10 minutes thinking about it today, so. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm well prepared. I'm pulling out my notes here. Um, so I think I have a few players that might have gone in the top ten this year that I think will still be in the top ten. So I've got mm-hmm. again no particular order: Connor McDavid, Jack Hughes, Austin Matthews, Elias Pettersson, Kale McCarr. So those are kind of five that mm-hmm. we're used to. And I think these next five: I have Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. uh, Logan Cooley, mm-hmm. Matt Vey Michkov. Adam Fantilli and Quentin Byfield as number 10. So obviously uh, I did not take a goalie because I can't really predict what a goalie is going to do two weeks from now, let alone uh, <laughs> six years from now. So those are my skaters. I'm sure they're going to be uh, wrought with mistakes if we look back on this six years. But yeah.
0: There will be no shortage of goalie candidates uh, six <laughs> years from now, but I have no idea what their value would be. That's the hard part. Like, we know all the big names. We know the Eskerov, the Wolf, the Wallstats. It's just a a, a guessing game as to who's going to pan out the best.
1: And what teams will be good then. Yeah, exactly.
0: A lot of it will depend on the teams. But, I mean, the Wild will be out of cap hell by then. So, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do like the list. Uh, I have one current NHLer that I'd like to throw in there, and that's Quinn Hughes. I think Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are going to be in the same tier. Going down the road, especially if Quinn Hughes keeps doing what he does, which is shooting the puck. And that's something he's added to his his repertoire this year. And I think that's really boosted his fantasy value. I agree with uh, a lot of your names Jack Hughes, Austin Matthews, Elias Pettersson, Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid, Kill McCart, Adam Fantilli. Uh, The two names that I might differ on uh, one is Leo Carlson on the Ducks. I've been super impressed with this kid. I think the Ducks have a huge amount of upside with their uh, pipeline. And uh, the 10th is a wild card and he's ranked 10th, even though mine are in no particular order, he's definitely the 10th name. Uh, And that's Will Smith on uh, the Sharks prospect uh, playing college right now. I just see a lot of offensive upside. I think once he signs with the Sharks, he's gonna be a top six player uh, right away. probably gonna be the focal point of their rebuild if they don't get Celebrini or someone this year. Um, So that's the only one I, I would probably put in that list, but there's so many other names, right? Like, who knows? I think Lugan Cooley could be a good one. Um, God knows if the Coyotes are still in Arizona by then. Maybe they're in Salt Lake. Maybe they're in Atlanta. Um, back. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. M- Mitch is going to be interesting. Do you think
1: he's going to be dominant right away when he comes in? It's possible. I think like he could be one of those guys like Kaprizov that comes over a little bit later and is maybe a little hmm. bit more prepared after playing mm-hmm. the KHL for a while, so he could mm-hmm. have a, a quicker impact, but yeah, we'll see. Like I had a hard time with it too. I will admit my last two cuts of the list were Carlson and Quinn Hughes. Like, I think I'd have those guys like 11 and 12, mm-hmm. so not far off, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Like it's fu- It's funny that it's, it's hard to know how like players will age. Right. Because like yeah. this year, you know, Crosby's 35, 36. Now, like you could have argued, mm-hmm. you know, this year he'd be, he could have been a top 10 pick based on the way he's played. So you mm-hmm. can't really rule out like a Nathan McKinnon in 2030 necessarily, even though like he, you know, he probably won't be top 10 at that mm-hmm. point, but you know, there's a lot of options that are a little bit older too. That could still be relevant.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting that neither of us picked Leon dry or Tim Stutzler. Yeah. I mean, Dreisaitl will be in his early thirties. Presumably he'll be really good still. And Stutzler I think is one of the league's best players. Um, but I think he narrowly misses the cut. Sometimes yeah. I think maybe playing in Ottawa, you just don't get the recognition that you really should.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Like 10 is tough, right? Because you're trying to balance like current mm-hmm. players and forecasting, you know, younger players now. So mm-hmm. to narrow it down to 10 is tricky. But yeah, Stutzel is definitely great.
0: Yeah. If, if Kucherov is dominant still five years from now, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Well,
1: he's, he's got to be, he's right around 30, I think, right? So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's going to be one of those like middle aged or not age, but like 35 year old guys who's still dominant.
1: Yeah. If he, as long as he's not playing like the like he did in the skills competition, he'll be fine.
0: No, because he's not getting paid nine and a half million for it. It's like what's a million dollars to me if I have nine and a half million? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, next question. Uh this one is from VB. Who's got more upside the rest of the season? Brian Rust, who appears to be back on line one in Power Play One, or Wyatt Johnson, who is on line one in Power Play Two uh great line mates for both guys deployment is such a big piece in fantasy hockey not sure if this sticks rest of season either uh to me this is why johnston i'm a big fan so i'm a little
0: biased uh but i also think the stars have more upside um i don't know if i trust the penguins
1: right now actually would you uh i agree with all that i'm you know the penguins i think have the 31st ranked power play so Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily overly excited that Rust is on that power play. Um, yeah. I think I think Wyatt Johnson playing with uh, Hinson-Robertson is is more beneficial. He's looked really good there. Um, and he's actually still taking face-offs with center right-wing eligibility now. So that's really well, good
0: for him. On that note, Rupe Hints is a bit frustrating because he's only got center eligibility, and he doesn't take that many draws. Those guys yeah. can kill you in fantasy. Like Pedersen in his early years was a center, and he didn't – he didn't take that many and didn't win that many face-offs. So it's that
1: frustrating too, yeah. In that in that regard. Like he he bounces back and forth a lot. Like it's tough yeah. to rely on him for that.
0: And now with Lindholm on that line, I can see Lindholm taking more of the face-offs. I think so too. Um, even more than just on the strong side. Um, but Johnston, as long as he stays here, and it looks like he will. Keep in mind though, like this doesn't really decrease Joe Pavelski's fantasy value, eh? Like he's still a power play one, he's still really yeah. good. It just means the Stars have a more balanced three lines and Johnston really benefits from uh, playing on the top with center right wing. Rust is interesting. I, I thought he was playing really well and then I think he got hurt and he came back and, and, and the Pens just obviously haven't been quite very good this year.
1: Yeah, this is the first time I've seen the Stars like have a lot more depth scoring from multiple lines, like in a long mm-hmm. time. They, they look really strong. Actually, quick mm-hmm. sidebar on that. Like, you know, you watch the Canucks a lot. Do you think there's anything to like Pedersen always getting moved to the wing, or is it just kind of like you know, like when they go with the lotto line, Miller Miller play center. Now Lindholm's coming in. It looks like Pedersen's going to be on the wing. Like he seems to always get pushed back to the wing. And I wonder, like someone his age, I feel like he should be like like an undisputed number one center at this point i just wonder why that always seems to keep happening
0: he's not winning he doesn't win a lot of faceoffs. he's gotten yeah. better this year um but he he's plays the middle of the ice just as well as anyone i think that's yeah. just more of a preference thing it's not really like a knock against Pedersen's skill it's just that miller and lindholm are two of the best centermen in the league
1: there are players that are like that like that are not good on the draws but they're very good playing the position and someone else just takes the face off.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, like even, I mean, the sidebar again, they just announced that Canada is going to, well, I mean, NHL players are going to be playing in like the Olympics and the world cup and whatnot. Let's say you take Nathan McKinnon. You're probably not going to play him at center. He wins like 45% of his draws throughout his career. And there's so many good centers and it's not a knock against McKinnon. It's just that because he doesn't win a lot of draws, because he can play the middle of the ice and because he's probably pretty good on the wing, you just play him on the wing.
1: Yep, that's fair. I guess it's just, yeah, the only thing with Pedersen, it's it's tricky from a fantasy standpoint if you're you know, you grabbed him to play siren win faceoffs, and then he's always mm-hmm. getting pushed to the wing, yeah. which is kind of frustrating. But same with yeah, Hins, I get I guess. Them.
0: Yeah, so but if the Canucks can't keep Lindholm, like they can't re-sign him. I do think Pedersen's going to win his fair share of faceoffs next
1: year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it'll, and it's, I mean, it's just good flexibility for them too, right? Like they basically mm-hmm. have yep. three centers that, you know, are top two centers, so they can do a lot with that.
0: Yeah. And Suter can take face-offs too. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those things where like, I feel like you don't, you can't have enough good centers. And so if you have that flexibility, it's great. I mean, the Canucks were missing a number two center for the longest time. Um, if they ever wanted to put that lotto line together, um, but now they have the option of playing them separately on two lines or loading up with a lotto line as like their nuclear option.
1: Yeah, they can match up
0: really well, I think, mm-hmm. with most teams now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, next mailbag question. Uh this is from Michael Carter. This is an interesting one. He asks, uh, is check an upgrade on Kemper in a Cap Dynasty League? <laughs>
1: um <laughs> Maybe slightly, I guess, like he's young, he's, he's younger. Um, he's on a, a, a what should be a better team. They're not really showing it that much right now. The devils. I mean, um, are we
0: sure Vanna checks going to be in the league two years from now?
1: No, that's the thing. And like, <laughs> I think, I guess he's a little, I have to double check what his salary is, but I think he's a little cheaper than Kemper. Yeah. Um, Kemper's gonna get his playing time no matter what though,
0: like as a it's just as is he gonna be like a really terrible starter or a really expensive backup.
1: Yeah, I think Vanacek could end up you know it it it's never good when you're you're supposedly on a really good team and your numbers Mm -hmm. are bad, right? Like that's not a good sign for you. Um that's usually he's also
0: had multiple chances.
1: Yeah, and he usually winds in the AHL sooner than later, so like we'll see, you know see like Jack Campbell or Samsonov, although like Samsonov's bounced back, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Vanacek does there. The, the Devils definitely need a goalie, like I think that's something that's really hurting them this year. They're not getting like the saves that they did last year. But I, mean, I thought Vanacek was okay in like Washington, a lot better than he showed, you know, this year. And he was he wasn't bad last year either. I think it just he didn't finish the best, but it's a weird
0: super streaky. It's just yeah. that his lows are really low. Keep in mind the Devils have Akira Schmid and Nicole Dawes in the system too.
1: And yeah, between they, those three, like Vanna checks the odd man out. Well, I, I thought so too. But like both guys have been given chance. Like Schmid dropped the ball this year too. Dawes really – he's been kind of okay. He hasn't really grabbed it either. Like I think the big thing goalies. there is – Yeah, like they're missing Jack Hughes, right? Like I think mm-hmm. if – Jack Hughes has missed a lot of time this year. if they're, If you're getting wins, I think it's – a lot easier to overlook some of the bad goalie numbers, mm-hmm. but yeah, no one's really stepped up there.
0: No, I just I don't trust Vanacek anymore. He's older. He's had a chance in Washington. He's had multiple chances in Jersey. Uh, I just think with Dawes and Schmidt at least they've developed them themselves through their system, and I feel like they'd have more patience with them than Vanacek. Vanacek is still it's still a question of to me whether he's an NHL caliber goalie. With Kemper, I mean he might be rostered at some point in future seasons as sort of like a streamer, or maybe he gets hot or he gets a starting job. Then you kind of roster him. Vanacek is such a wild card. So you're talking about a range of outcomes here. And I just think Kemper is safer. But if you want to gamble, then you go with the younger goalie always. Cause you never know.
1: It feels like it, it feels like Vanacek ceiling is probably like a decent backup in this league at this point. So yeah it might even be higher than kemper just based on age right and the fact that
0: the devils are better than the caps supposedly
1: (laughs) yeah they should be anyway yeah
0: yeah yeah okay next question
1: uh this one is from fuzzy dunlop pretty comfortably ahead in the standings any suggestions on some second half rebound players to target in a trade Mm -hmm. uh
0: this one's a little hard um Second half players, uh, there, there are a couple players on, on teams uh, that I think we should pay attention to. I think the Blues, for one, um, are really coming on. I really
1: like the way Brayden Shen is playing. You probably could still get him for cheap still. Yeah, Colton Pareko too, I like. They're actually traded for Pareco this week. He's getting a lot more minutes under the new coach, so yeah, mm-hmm, I agree. Mm-hmm. There's another... Any... Yeah. Yeah, I, one player I think of too is um like John Tavares has really taken a pretty big fall in value I think over the last month but Mm -hmm. you know I don't think he's going to be this bad forever um I think the Leafs power play which kind of wasn't great the last few weeks I think that's going to pick it up again so I think Tavares I don't think he's gonna you know necessarily light it up again but I don't think he's gonna you know, have like one point in 10 games or whatever he's had recently, I think he's he's going to get back on track a little bit. So that might be another one to look at.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if you're going to target uh, second half players, it doesn't necessarily have to be a rebound. It, it just has, they just have to play better than the first half. Yep. So it could be just... uh a player who like comes on later in the season. So even on Buffalo, a guy like J.J. Paterica, I know Jack Quinn's hurt right now. So he's been really good all season, actually. But I just can see him being uh, even better as the season goes on. Um, yeah. Same with Wyatt Johnston. We just mentioned him, though he's probably hard to trade for now now that everyone
1: kind yeah. of knows about him. Kevin um, Fiala is a notorious second half player, too, that we mentioned yeah. earlier. Like, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Even a guy like Mason McTavish, I think you could still probably get for a pretty good price and i, I kind of like where the ducks are trending the, right now too uh the canes uh even michael bunting right like he's been pretty solid but the canes are coming on uh, they've been really fantastic so far in like never mind the first couple months of the season um evander Kane, i, I it's surprising to me how ineffective he's been this year um yeah. even with the oilers losing or winning streak um i, I still think he can do a lot more Brock Faber's another one. Um, he's probably hard to get now, too. Um, uh, I'll throw another name out there. Capocacco. If he gets, does get traded somewhere else, maybe he gets a bump. Maybe he gets another boost of confidence there. I think that could be interesting. Uh, Nico Hesher has been disappointing all season. Uh, if you need face-off, he's a guy I'd target. Um, guys like that. I, even Parisi has a stash. I don't know what they're going to do,
1: but um, playing on the abs, he's got to have some value, right? Yeah, it sounds like he's going to be given some pretty good deployment here. So they need they need forwards. So, yeah, he's a good mm-hmm. option. I think anyone basically, you know, there's obviously a lot of goalies too. Goalies are <laughs> yeah. notorious for ups and downs. So mm-hmm. you can look at mm-hmm. a guy that's down. Like we talked about Talbot even. Like you could probably get him for dirt cheap if you think, you know, he can recoup some of his value. But maybe mm-hmm. the Kings trade for a goalie too, which which doesn't help. So, yeah, lots of options.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, next question this is from matt uh stack the mat this is our last question who should i stash on my na so i can whip them out during the playoffs uh this is another good question i mean the first name that comes to mind is frederick anderson right is yeah need a goalie
1: yeah that would be that would be what i would do um you know any goalie on the canes has value i still you know could has been hurt i don't think they trust ranta so I think if Anderson... Did you stream Spencer Martin for that one game? Oh, I thought about it. <laughs> uh, I was I was actually going to write about it, and then I saw, like, Kachekov was getting back. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think Martin's probably, like, the odd man out now. But mm-hmm. he would be a great streamer. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I think Anderson's a good one. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think if there's any others, like, right now that are kind of sitting... Well, like that, are out. Like, there's like, I know there was talk about Landis Cog, but he's not going to come back probably till the like the Stanley Cup playoffs, if if at all. So, that's that one's more of like a longer term thing that's not going to probably help you this year, but
0: yeah. So, the NA spot is tricky because you're talking about players in the minors and players who have yet to sign, basically. So, uh, right away, you're probably looking at. I mean, players in the minors, but usually if you're calling up a player in the minors at the end of the season, he's probably playing on a terrible team that won't make the playoffs. And he's probably an older veteran or even a young rookie where they just want to give him a taste. So maybe their minutes are limited. So for NA spots, I actually quite like stashing players who have yet to sign if you can do it. Um, So I mentioned Will Smith as one of the top players in 2029, 2030. I expect him to be available and, and join the lineup once he signs. He should be a good one. Um, Cutter Gauthier is another one. I mean, I assume he's going to sign with the Ducks uh, at the end of the season. So I, I do think you want to target college players who can step in right away. Um, for for the Stars, I, I've always been a big fan of Logan's Dan Coven, but this is a guy where even if he gets called up at the end of
1: the season, I don't know how much he's going to play. Yeah, you know what I just thought of? you think anyone signs... Phil Kessel,
0: Mm, no. (laughs) Like, I I
1: wonder. I wonder if, like, here's the thing. Like, if someone's signing him, I wonder if there's just like they get hit with a bunch of injuries and they need, you know, bodies to to finish out the season. Because like uh, the problem with Kessel is he didn't really play much for Vegas last year in the playoffs, right? So I don't think anyone's Mm -hmm. signing him for a playoff run necessarily. Like, I think it might just be a case of. You know somebody needs some goal scoring, and you know they're desperate. but that that's more that's more of a long shot too. I think I think I'd probably go the college route like you're like you're saying that's a good strategy,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think for Kessel, I think maybe it's the fact that he is and and has been pigeonholed as sort of a one one dimensional winger. I mean, if you're looking for Kessel for offense, I think your pipeline is really weak, and I think you're super desperate. Um, If if Kessel hasn't signed by this point, I just don't think it's going to happen. He might get a tryout somewhere, but I I just don't see it happening. The other thing with the NA spot too is Connor producer Connor points out is that maybe you want to look at AHL goalies. So if someone gets traded, say like you know Markstrom gets traded or Fladara gets traded, then maybe you want to. Look at it, Justin Wolf. If Florida gets traded, maybe you want to look at Jesper Wallstad. I know he yeah. got shelled in his first start, um, but these are young goalies who are gonna get their that uh, playing time at some point or another, and might as well be at the end of the season if the team has nothing else to play
1: for. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of teams that are using like three goalies now too. So like somebody could always get mm-hmm. get a shot, get a call up late in the season. If, if I hate that, LA. Eh? I think it's becoming a trend. Like if you look at it this year, like look at how many teams. like really relied on a third goalie like there's and good teams like the Leafs, the oilers went with picard right like um, out of necessity though right like right it's not that they want to but i think they their teams are going to look at that and say like okay we've got like a a number two guy that you know or even a number one guy that like is not that proven like what if he craters like you know samsonov did like campbell did like we need at least a third option that we're comfortable with, like i.e. Martin Jones, that we can stick in there, you know, for three weeks if we absolutely have to. Cause like I think the biggest fear is you get an injury to mm-hmm. one of your two guys, like Joseph Wall goes down, and then all of a sudden, like Samsonov forgets how to play. And, and like, what do you do here? Like, you gotta keep your season afloat. So I actually think teams are gonna maybe not going with three goalies. Like, there's there's been teams this year, like the Canadians have had three goalies all year. The Sabres have done it for a while. Detroit has done it, but there might just be like a more of an emphasis on signing, like a veteran to the HL in the offseason that's played, you know, 5,200 games in the NHL that you can kind of rely on if you need to.
0: Yeah. I don't know how as like the Canes GM, you don't get ulcers thinking about your goaltending. you know, they are thin.
1: Yeah. And, but,
0: and it's just like, it's not because of lack of ability. It's just that some of their players are so injury prone and then they have guys in the minors that they have zero confidence in playing. But I mean, I guess as a Leafs fan, you just can't get away from Martin Jones. No, he's uh, he's been admirable, let's say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it just makes, in my opinion, in fantasy, like having a reliable starter like a Demko or a Hellebuck is still really valuable even if
1: you're a zero-G guy. It is. And we've seen a lot of like in Detroit, for example, like they've had three goalies all year, but Lyon has kind of taken that over and, and like Reimer's barely played. So they have three goalies, but they really haven't utilized three goalies. Like there's mm-hmm. not that many teams that actually rotate three guys in and out. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting.
0: Actually, on that note, sidebar, uh, Boston Bruins, Linus Almark and Jeremy Swayman. Do you think at some point they just go with Swayman? <laughs>
1: Like more um, than just
0: – more, not like maybe like 80, 20 or 70, 30, but like they start giving a little more starts to Swayman rather
1: than uh doing it like a 50-50 split. It's possible. It really like hasn't like negatively impacted them in the regular season. I think mm-hmm. the interesting thing will be who starts in the playoffs. Like they kind of leaned too much on on Allmark last year. Um, and I think yeah, that's vote. what I
0: mean. Like if you're gearing up for the playoffs now and you should start thinking about it, like shouldn't you – give more starts to swimming who I think has been the better goalie this year and, and just ride him in the playoffs rather than doing the back and forth, which I still don't think works
1: until it does. I guess they might, I think like as long as they're rattling off points are still at the top of the standings, you know, I, th- I think the value for them is it keep it, it keeps like both guys fresh. Right. So coming mm-hmm. into the playoffs swimming will be fresh, but yeah, could they go to like a 55 45 split? Yeah, I could see it at some point um they're probably gonna play some tougher games you know florida's like kind of right on their heels for winning the division mm-hmm. so yeah they could, they could give him a few more starts it'd be nice like if you had swayman because yeah that's the hardest part when you have a really good goalie on a good team but he's only playing every other game some weeks you get only one start out of him. right it's, mm-hmm. it's tough
0: mm-hmm. right okay uh that's all the questions that we have so that does it for this episode uh thank you guys for sending all the questions um we love answering them so you can find us on twitter slash x uh, at jason Chen sixteen and at amato underscore mike Uh, send us questions anytime we'll do our best to answer either on this podcast or on twitter Uh, remember to um subscribe like and rate our podcast thank you for listening new episodes drop monday at 11 a.m eastern and we will see you next week